On October 5, Virtual Tax Court had a calendar call for Kansas City. I'm going to provide you a report on what happened. Thank you for tuning in to Tax Justice Warriors. Welcome to Tax Justice Warriors, the podcast that celebrates the work of low-income taxpayer clinics, focuses on tax controversy work, and looks at related issues in tax news. I'm your host, William Schmidt, the director of the Low-Income Taxpayer Clinic at Kansas Legal Services. On October 22, 2020, Christine Spidell posted a blog post to Procedurally Taxing titled Navigating Remote Calendar Calls. Within that blog post, I also had provided Christine a update on what happened at the Kansas City calendar call on October 5, but for this episode I'm going to do an in-depth focus on what happened that day with the Kansas City remote calendar call for the U.S. tax court. Now, Judge Paris was the judge presiding over the docket for that week, but before October 5, I had settled one case that was on the docket and continued another. I had advised a different individual on her case, which she also had continued, and I met with the judge's clerk to do a practice session with ZoomGov, and we discussed the upcoming calendar call procedures, and she told me about the pending docket cases, that these were ones that would potentially get some advice from the low-income taxpayer clinics in Kansas City, and one such case had to do with a potential petitioner trying to file a motion to dismiss without prejudice in the case, The clerk had mentioned Wagner v. Commissioner, a prior case that would be precedent in the case and be part of the decision process, so I researched that case, but then later on that petitioner's case was not on the calendar, so that wound up being some research time that I did not really need to put in. But anyway, on the Date of the calendar call, I was joined by my volunteer assistant. She is an enrolled agent with an interest in the tax court, so she observed that day as I was on the virtual calendar call. And the call was set to start at 10 a.m. Central Time for everyone to make their appearances before the court. The Kansas City clinics were told to be available at 9 o'clock for unrepresented petitioners to give advice, and I was told the call would start at 8.45, so that's when I logged on. But unfortunately, none of the unrepresented petitioners logged on before 10 a.m., so we just made some small talk, I think talking about the weather and the different cities. We discussed some of the cases with unrepresented petitioners that might happen later on. So in order to have confidential discussions between the practitioners and the tax clinic personnel, the tax court has virtual breakout rooms available. I had done the practice session with the clerk the week before where she placed me in a breakout room And then 
sent me a message letting me know that she would remove me from the breakout room, and that went smoothly. But yeah, when the calendar call started, the petitioners began to appear, and they were using different forms of technology to appear electronically. So computer cameras, uh, maybe laptops, or connecting a computer, cell phones, or iPads. And so there were some delays because everyone had to state their appearances. The people with iPads sometimes had an issue, so they would call in separately. So the people would be appearing on audio through one channel and video through another. So there were a little bit of technology issues that we had to pause until everyone could state their names. And the clerk would label everyone visually so we would know what their role was, such as petitioner, tax clinic, respondent's counsel, or whichever other role that might be. And then as we went through things, everyone introduced themselves, but later on when they were making their appearances, when the cases were called, then there were also some pauses as people tried to get on for their audio to work. But as we got into the cases, I'm going to give you the reports here that there were six cases called during the calendar call. Case number one, the parties had come to an agreement with the IRS that this was a married couple. It's my understanding that they are separated, but they were able to come to a resolution that there was a written settlement between the parties, but it had not been submitted to the court. So the judge asked for the 13 paragraphs of the stipulations to be read into the record with verbal agreements from the parties on the record. Case number two was actually called twice during the calendar call. The first time the case was called, the judge dismissed the case for lack of jurisdiction, but then later the other clerk for the judge in Washington, D.C. gave word that the petitioner was contacting them and this was regarding a business. So when the petitioner appeared, the judge had questions regarding the status of the business. As IRS counsel reported the status of the corporation as being void in 2018. So he had until October 20 to submit the documents to perfect the petition. And then a joint status report was due on November 5th. For the third case... It was an innocent spouse case where the intervener appeared. He was unrepresented and from Missouri. So the clinic at the University of Missouri, Kansas City Law School agreed to assist him. So they went ahead and met in a breakout room, discussed the case. And when they returned later on in the day, that clinic director said he would enter his appearance. Now, on this case, the petitioner, the wife, she was not appearing because there was an agreement between the wife 
and counsel. It was my understanding there was some kind of employment settlement that the wife had received, and the husband, the intervener, had issues with how things would affect him. So they are set for a joint status report on November 5th, but I think there is going to be some kind of conference call between the parties as the petitioner, the wife, she was represented and they were not appearing that day because they understood things as being resolved with the IRS and not necessarily looking at the effects on the husband, the intervener. So now they need to have discussions on how everyone is affected going forward. On case number four, the petitioner had come to a resolution with IRS counsel on some of the issues. The IRS was conceding the accuracy-related penalties. However, he thought he could gather records on contract labor and advertising expenses. The judge ordered for a stipulation of settled issues due on October 20 and a joint status report due on November 5. Now, during the calendar call, he was seeming nervous and had mentioned some anxiety. So I had direct messaged the clerk that I could assist. And I also believe he was a Kansas resident, so he would be someone I could represent. But he turned down the help. He was saying that he could handle things himself. So I was not in any contact with him. Case number five. The petitioner did not appear. The IRS counsel related how the petitioner was not returning calls since they talked in August 2019. Then the judge granted the IRS motion to dismiss for lack of prosecution. Now, case number six is part of a larger case that on this case, there was a married couple filing the petition. And the husband had been a, or it is my understanding, he still is a tax attorney in Nebraska. I'm not sure if he is licensed in Kansas or Missouri, but I believe he lives in Kansas City on the Kansas side. But there have been some issues for him with the IRS, the Department of Treasury, the tax court that he was advising on basically a tax scheme and had been prosecuted that in tax court he had had one case that there were $10,000 in civil tax penalties, case number two, $36,000 in civil tax penalties. There was this case that we had on the calendar call and then a fourth one that was still pending that what happened in this case is that they filed a motion concerning the notice of deficiency and the husband alleged that there were errors and for the wife he alleged or in the petition it was alleged that she was entitled to innocent spouse relief now somehow in the petition he marked it that he was licensed with the tax court and so the case was treated that he was representing both of them on that tax court case. 
Now, the IRS moved for a continuance of the trial, and that had been granted, but, but the judge had still sent an order to show cause that there were three issues on this case, why her innocent spouse case should proceed, since there had not been an administrative record with the IRS, Number two, why the innocent spouse case should not be severed and have its own docket number. And three, why she should not proceed pro se or obtain separate counsel who does not have an apparent conflict of interest on the innocent spouse claim. Now, the couple is still married and appeared for the court on the same video call. And ultimately, he agreed to withdraw as the attorney after the judge said they could just proceed as a pro se married couple. So the judge granted his oral motion to withdraw as the attorney of record for that case. The order to show cause was discharged, and they were going to have a conference call, and there would be a following written order on the case. Now, I was wondering how they could have an innocent spouse case if they are still married. So I looked at IRS Publication 971, and on page 9, it says that still being married is a neutral factor, while not being married any longer will be a factor that will weigh in favor of relief. So generally, I would recommend that people be widowed, divorced, living apart for at least 12 months when filing for innocent spouse relief. So it does not sound like it would be a deal breaker to still be married and file for innocent spouse relief, but it is removing one of the factors in favor of relief. And frankly, if the couple is still married, I would wonder how many items would still be favorable to fine for innocent spouse relief, but certainly that is something to weigh how many factors that a person will have for a winning case. So then there was to be a trial taking place on the Tuesday afternoon and all day Wednesday. I believe they had asked for a 12-hour trial, but instead the parties filed a stipulation of settled issues and a joint status report. So the trial was stricken from the remote trial session and continued. The parties are to file a joint status report or a decision by November 6. But this was a person who I believe was prosecuted in connection with the prior case with the attorney that there was a potential innocent spouse case that this was a person who had gone in on one of the tax schemes, so those cases were connected, and that would have potentially been an interesting trial, but that did not happen that week. One of the practice tips I thought of when submitting to Christine for procedurally taxing is that it is good for a tax clinic or a pro bono attorney who is meeting with a unrepresented petitioner in a breakout room to get the phone number of the petitioner in case there is a technical issue that causes someone to be kicked out of the Zoom session. But overall, 
it was a different calendar call than usual, but we did not have too many major technological issues. We were able to get through the calendar call. It went into early afternoon, but we generally got some kind of resolution on the cases as one was dismissed, one was settled, and the others were continued. So it felt like a successful virtual calendar call for the Kansas City session of the U.S. Tax Court. I hope this has been informative and interesting for you. So thank you for tuning in to Tax Justice Warriors. Thank you for listening to Tax Justice Warriors. We have a Patreon page if you'd like to support this podcast. Providing monetary support for this podcast helps with expenses like equipment or travel to tax conferences. Supporting this podcast through Patreon comes with rewards, so check out our Patreon page. Please rate or review this podcast because positive reviews help get more people to know this podcast exists. The views expressed on this podcast are not official opinions of the IRS, the Low Income Taxpayer Clinic Program, or the employers of the people who spoke on this program. Your tax situation is unique, so do not take the statements on this program as tax or legal advice. Consult with your own tax professional to provide you with specific advice on your situation. Tune in next time on Tax Justice Warriors for another interesting tax discussion.